Welcome back, sports fans, to another exciting episode of Officiating Edge Podcast, Unleashing Officiating Excellence. I'm your host, John McNeil, and today we have a true officiating legend in our midst. Today's guest is a former NFL Vice President of Officiating, a trusted voice on the rules of the game, and an advocate for officiating clarity. Today, we bring to you Mike Pereira. From NFL officiating to television analysis, he's dedicated his career to demystifying officiating for fans and officials alike. Please sit back, listen, and get ready to learn from the best as we dive into Mike Pereira's journey, officiating insights, and his vision for officiating excellence. Well, Mike, uh, first first things first, I want to thank you so much for for, for joining me on the uh, on the show. And can you you know, kind of give me an overview and I give the listeners an overview of what Battlefields to Ballfields is and its mission to support vets transitions into officiating and the other roles in athletics you might have. Well, the thing with Battlefields to Ballfields is um, it really helps to address a couple of issues, but one certainly is the shortage of officials around the country. I mean, every sport, I mean, even though I'm a football guy, um, Quite honestly, if you read all the articles around the country, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, whether it's track and field. And the shortage is a huge issue. I mean, you you know, you're seeing high school football games, for example, not all being played on Saturday, not Friday nights like they used to. Some are being played on Saturday. Some are being played on Thursday. And and the issue is there's not enough officials. And and Mm -hmm. it's just it's. I've been an official all my life, basically. I mean, I refereed my first game in 1971, and I've been involved with officiating ever since that day when I first walked out onto a a Pop Warner field in East Palo Alto. But it's my blood, and it's always been my thought, how can I help to address these issues? And then I came upon some veterans, and... uh, I met some homeless veterans in Southern California and on a drive after meeting them, I started thinking about, you know, these veterans and how unfairly they are treated at times mm-hmm. and how they just want to be with their brothers. They want to be part of a mission. And so many of them are lost. And so I thought about when I was with the NFL and even when I was with, in, with college, I said, what did I look for? Thinking about what did I look for? When I looked for a good football official, for example, mm-hmm. I didn't care if I saw him throw a flag for pass interference or throw a, pl- a flag for holding. Um, you can always teach that. But there are some things you can't teach. The courage, the confidence, the mission, all that stuff. And, and then I'm thinking about veterans. And I'm thinking about they have the things that I looked for in officials. And so could I marry the thoughts between each other and get veterans, more veterans to become sports officials in their communities. And uh, so that became my mission. Um, that became my passion. It's, it's actually replaced officiating, um, actually, but um, it's getting more veterans and active service members into officiating. So I formed this foundation, basically, that I called Battlefields to Ballfields. And what we do is we award scholarships, so to speak, to veterans and active to become sports officials. We pay for all the upfront costs in terms of uniforms and 
uh, uh, training um, of different things of, of uh, NASO National Association of Sports Officials uh, into their program, everything. And we pay the cost for three years. And uh, the results have been amazing. I mean, we have scholarship to over 900 people now. And, um, and it's something that we've been after really since 2017. And we're not slowing down. We intend to, to grow to get that number even higher. Man, that's awesome. That is, it's such a deep connection that I have with this. And, you know, as a veteran myself, uh, I'm so thankful for what it is that you all are, are, are passionate about and what you're passionate about. Um, that's, that's amazing. But, you know, I got to tell you, the thing that amazes me is the veterans themselves um, and the actives, but mm-hmm. more so the veterans because we have more of those than actives. It's the fact that, you know, the one thing I looked for in officiating was commitment. I always did. when I, Whether I was hiring guys in the Western Athletic Conference or eventually when I was hiring guys in the NFL, I needed a commitment to the program. I needed yeah. a commitment that they could be their best. And the, the fascinating thing about this is that amateur officials now, I mean, the abuse is so bad um, that, that if you looked at the average number of year, or the average number of people, officials that stay with it after two years, the average number that continue to do it is down to 25%. Only 25%, three out of four quit. But you look at the veterans, mm-hmm. 70%. 70% stay with it. Um, and that tells you a lot about people like yourself, that um, once you make the commitment, you follow through on your commitment. And the abuse, mm-hmm. I, would, I would say probably, and me being a civilian that didn't serve, I would think that the abuse that you take on a basketball court or a soccer pitch, whatever it might be, is less than maybe what you took in times during your commitment, um, you know, that, that you made. So I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like stunned by the, um, by the ability and the commitment that these people make that we give scholarships to. Yeah, for sure. I think it, I think it goes into the mentality, you know, veterans you know and military's active service members they sign a paper saying we are going we are committed to do this and there's no quit and i think it translates almost directly into what we are trying to bring as officials and the fact that 70 percent of officials stick around through the abuse through the the hardships that they have really really uh shows what they are willing to do. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's, it's good that you're able to, you know, if someone that doesn't, hasn't, doesn't have any military service can recognize that, I think that's, that's something special. You know, you know what else is special? I think to even go a bit beyond their commitment is what they mean to the industry. I mean, mm-hmm. if, we, if we really kind of go about this correctly, I mean, they mean an awful lot to officiating, can mean, and I don't mean to be callous about it, but even from a PR standpoint, you know, we give out patches that mm-hmm. just says, um, it says uh, U.S. veteran, and we ask our people to wear them. Uh, here in Sacramento, 
wasn't our guy. It wasn't our, our people. But here in Sacramento, a couple of years ago, they had the state CIF finals. Mm-hmm. And they did what I think was important. They introduced the three officials. One was a veteran. They introduced the first two and there was no reaction. I mean, just announced the name. And when they um, interviewed the, the, and I don't remember his name, but when they introduced the third guy, it was retired U.S. captain, something, something. The freaking place broke out into applause, <laughs> you know, and, and that's, and it spoke that evening about, you know, just what that, that some of these veterans can do to, you know, to help our industry, not only just to be out there. Look, I mean, the, the main reason, and I, I mean, I, I am so indebted to this program just because of my own self growth, uh, because of my lack of knowledge. Um, to what our veterans have gone through. I know what they represent mm-hmm. and I'm thankful for that every day, but I don't know what they've gone through. I can't talk about PTSD. I haven't been through it. Um, but, um, and, and certainly officiating um, is, isn't a cure by any stretch of the imagination, but I have, I should say we have, we have, a bunch of our people who have said that this has changed their lives. We have one guy, Jason, Jason, Jameson Pilgrim out of Rochester, New York. Um, he was early on one of ours. And uh, I went back to Rochester because we had a group of them in the Rochester area. And they made me throw out the first pitch at the Rochester Red Wings AAA baseball game the night before our little golf function out there. And okay. so in the rain, I, I kind of cheated by 20 feet from the mound. Me being a former <laughs> baseball player, I threw it from 20 feet in front of the mound and still were short. But Jameson's fiance at the time grabbed me by the shirt when she was walking out on the field with me and said, you saved his life. Mm. And I said, I saved his life. She said, I was scared to go to work. I was scared what I would face when I came home. He was that low. And one day I came home and he had this brochure which said battlefields to ball fields, become a referee. And he told his fiance, he said, I think I found something. He played sports in Mm -hmm. high school. And so he went out and joined the local association and he now is officiating three different sports. They got married. He got a job. His whole life has changed. And that's now what I live my life for to see if I can help some people change their lives. Look, I mean, not everybody needs this. Um, right. But there are those that out there that do. And when I got my guy, Eddie Cuellar, who signs up, I think it was in year two, he signed up in 2019, or maybe it was 2020 that he signed up. I'm not sure. But Eddie Cuellar sends in an application and he wants to do football. And we go through ID.me to check their status, their confirm that they were um, 
you know, their service. Yeah. He fought in the Vietnam War. Wow. So he, he's a 70-year-old guy. He's a 70-year-old guy that signed up to officiate. 70. And and he and he sent me pictures of his first couple games where he was on the field with one other veteran as a part of the crew saluting. Mm. And it was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And Eddie came to Sacramento where I live to be part of one of our uh, golf tournaments, which we is our main fundraising thing. <clears throat> but it's, it's those type of, um, it's those type of people that uh, I don't know that, that drive me. Look, and I'm getting very Gabby here, but when I left the NFL, I looked at my Wikipedia page and what was I known for? Um, I was known for taking NFL officials out of white knickers and putting them into black pants. And I thought to myself, this is my legacy. <laughs> I put guys in, in pants instead of knickers. And, and really, it was really after that, I thought, I haven't accomplished a damn thing. I haven't mm. left this world in a better place somehow, some way. I haven't left something better than it was when I first stepped into it. And when I accidentally kind of, you know, fell into this, it's like, you know, maybe now I have. Maybe now I've found something that, that, um, that makes me feel like I'm doing something worthwhile. Yeah. Mm, that's so deep. Oh, I, 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 I'm sure that anybody who comes into contact with you would say that you've left a lasting legacy um, on them. And, this, you know, not just through this uh, program, but through your officiating as well. I don't think, you know, I don't think someone becomes the VP of officiating in the NFL or, you know, does it leaves a legacy like that without leaving their mark somewhere. Um, but, you know, I know that having a personal connection with people and, and, and veterans and then getting those pictures from a seven-year-old official who just wanted to, to make their mark on the world. Uh, I can't imagine that how that feels. It has to feel so good. Yeah, it, it, it does. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily look at it from what other people think. Although mm -hmm. I must say that everybody that we have gotten involved with in this program, I mean, just jumps right into it feet first because they all believe um, in the mission. And, and that's been, that's been great. But I think more importantly, um, it fuels me. It fuels me in a time of my life where you know, we all have to look and say, okay, what have we been, what are, what have we been doing? What are we doing now? And where are we going forward? And, yeah. you know, you look and you say, okay, for me, I'm 73. Um, three quarters of my life have gone by in a flash, um, but I'm 73. And, I think the the good part of where I am at 73 is that I don't feel like I've completed my mission. Mm -hmm. um, I still feel there's more there. 
I feel that there is more that we can do um, with this foundation that we have. Um, I read about things like Folds of Honor, and, and I read about how they take care of families of service members that have lost their lives. Um, and, and I'm wondering, is that like an area that we could branch out into to help those families that have suffered the true losses, the loss of life of a family member? Um, yeah. I'm not done. I'm not done. And I just, I just, um, you know, we all have our issues that we face from time to time. And uh, I just feel like that this, it, it's kind of like, and in true transparency, I mean, I'm struggling with back issues um, at the moment that are serious. Mm -hmm. But for the Jameson Pilgrims of the world who said that this saved his life, this still being out there, this organization that is out there is helping me to stay positive, um, is helping me to focus forward, is helping me to say, okay, once you're truly back up on your feet, then you can do more. And um, so it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, this program is, means everything in the world to me. Yeah, I, I imagine it does. You know, talking about <clears throat> people jumping in head first and wanting to give their all for this program, how do you think sports enthusiasts and the general public support, how do you envision or how do you think people like like me, right? I'm, I'm a small small time podcaster who wants to recruit and retain and, and, and do the best for the officiating world. How do you think that, you know, I can utilize your program and, and get the word out there and, and what are some initiatives that, you know, battlefields to ball fields can utilize or the general public can utilize to really help dive feet first into this. I, I think, you know, I think it needs, I just think it needs to become personal. Um, I, I think, look, at there's, there are clearly avenues that you can go to to try to locate veterans. Um, there's a lot of veterans already in, in officiating. You know that. And, mm -hmm. um, and it's just a, a commitment, you know, to find areas where veterans are to where you think you could maybe make a difference. And I, I look at like our Sacramento area right now. My latest thing is to look at the community colleges. My God, I never realized how many veterans were in community colleges around, around our area. I mean, mm -hmm. you're talking tens of thousands in our area. It, it is amazing. These are people that served, got out, and now they're, now they're trying to get an education. And how could this not be better for them um, to be able to to work and have some officiating things through to make some extra money. And listen, a lot of it is about the money, even though I don't think there's any <laughs> level that pays their officials enough to what they should be being paid. But right. still, to get out there and 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 make some money, I, the, the the community colleges thing is a is an opportunity to me. The VA organizations, I mean, 
you just and then and then your own people. I mean, it, it, it's kind of amazing. But if you think about it in an officiating organization and we were talking about that in Sacramento here the other day, just the high school officiating organization. Do you realize that if each official in our organization recruited one, one, mm. one person to officiate, let's not even say it's a veteran, but one person to officiate, if each guy did, our, our scheduling problems would be over. Yeah. And, and so we, we have to look within. I always say when I go to organizations, and, and this is, I mean, outside of the general realm of battlefields to ball fields, but just the general officiating organizations, nobody's going to help us except ourselves. Nobody cares about us. Right. I mean, nobody does. I mean, I, I got to watch NBA basketball games or I got to watch college basketball games or I got to watch football games where all of a sudden the crowd breaks out in chance of refs, you suck. Hmm. Yeah. And there's 10 year olds in the stands there. I mean, the, the disrespect, the disrespect is unbelievable, which is leading to chaos. It's leading to shortages that have never been seen before in officiating because there's no respect. And it starts with the parents. I don't know how we address this. I really don't. I mean, how you address the issue of sportsmanship because mm -hmm. it's awful when you see a little league game and you see parents that are screaming at the blood at, at the at the umpires, um, I, it's just everything is so damn negative. I mean, I, I got I actually turned off a, a major league baseball game when I was watching on TV. I don't think it was Fox, by the way. I don't want my bosses mad at me, but <laughs> I mean they put up that that strike zone box. And mm -hmm. a pitch misses by an inch and they start ripping the umpires an inch, a hundred right. degrees, a hundred, a hundred mile per hour slider misses by an inch. And, and, and it's, he calls it a strike. It's outside by an inch and it's open season on this guy. Uh, it's, it's like I say, I, I'm not a miracle worker. I don't know how to address it, except it's just our own problem. It's our own problem. It's those of us that do it. Those of us that have the courage to do it, you know, those of us to kind of pull it out and try to leave officiating a little bit better than it was. Listen, there's other organizations out there that could be formed like battlefields to ball fields. We need to involve first responders. We need to we need to encourage more people to get into this that have the courage to do it. First responders do. Veterans do. Active mm -hmm. service members do. We just have to hit the right groups and, you know, I, and, and, and then hope that we find the people that learn like I did early on in my very first game when I went out for this Pop Warner game. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Um, <laughs> there were kids running all over the place. Um, my dad had officiated, and so I had some hand-me-down clothes. It was the worst thing in the world. These little kids, these little kids that were like, 10-year-old kids running around with shoulder pads on and helmets. And, and I, I'm just trying to maintain order. And, uh, right. and the parents are on the sidelines yelling at me. You know, Now, for me, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> I just thought it was so cool. I fell in love with it that day with these little kids running around and parents yelling at me. But 
it takes a it takes a rather unique individual to put up with that. And, and quite frankly, we're talking about 1971, so it's uh, it was not nearly as bad as it is right now because officiating, you know, didn't have the exposure that it has now. Whether it's instant replay or the baseball strike zone box or anything, right. um, it's just become the exposure has been. Um, become so great that it, it's le- it's left uh, it's left us open for controversy right the 17 angles that the camera yeah. at home versus the you know three you get on a the three looks you get on a basketball court right i be, i become i have become a much better official now than i did when i was on the field because <laughs> i officiate in slow motion it's a beautiful thing right <laughs> beautiful thing i yeah. i don't I'm not faced with that quick look. You watch every time and you watch any sport and nobody says anything bad about the call until actually they see the replay. Then it becomes a horrible call. Yeah. You yeah. Know? But that's the world we live in. Yeah. It's, uh, it's ever changing. And I think you're right. The only way to really attack it is to just continue to one train and re and retain the officials we do have and very true i i think what you said about having one just one person from each association and i, I don't think I, I don't think i've looked at it at, from that perspective is uh you know obviously the goal is to bring in as many new officials as possible but i didn't think about the benchmark of one person bringing in an official and <laughs> everybody in an association brings in one you double the association double it yeah. You know, and I think I think that it's something that's realistic if everybody puts their mind to it. But you've mentioned the other word that's equally as important. It's retention. And mm-hmm. um, and I, I think we have to kind of take a look and it's starting to happen. I do think that. But we have to take a look at the way that our associations have been run in the past. Um, we have to provide you know, a pathway for people to advance quicker um, because they get very frustrated when they don't get assignments. And I'm talking about the good old boy network, you know, where mm-hmm. you know all the good games go to all the seasoned old guys, you know, like me and the young guys who have put in their time and the commitment, they don't get to move up. And so I think that's part of it is keeping their interest. It's very hard to keep their interest if they're not getting any games and they're not getting and they're not getting any feedback and they don't, they don't see an opportunity. They don't see the opportunity to, to move up. And so I, I do think we have to, to take a look at that. I mean, retention is more than just trying to teach, teach, teach. I mean, retention is to cultivate an environment to where they feel like they have the ability to move up. And until we, kind of find pathway for these new people and especially young people to move up, then um, I think we're going to be saddled with some issues. And I've said this to people here in Sacramento, we want young people, right? We want the younger people, but you know, you look at it and we have to kind of tailor the program now to where the young person doesn't have to go to, you know, two and a half hour classes five times during the, course of the preseason drive to them and spend time listening to one guy in front Mm -hmm. of a classroom with a microphone i mean we need to be we have to have the you know the digital type of teaching so that they can 
work online. And there's some organizations that are coming up with some programs now. There's a place called Ref Reps in Indiana, in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. actually. And they provide great um, digital instructions and actually certify officials, um, certify them in some states. Some states accept their certification and more should. Because, you know, a person that goes through these online classes will end up more, a new person going through the online class, I think will end up more prepared than the people that go through the five meetings that you have preseason game in your local, preseason in your local association. Just think we all, we need to, when we talk about retention and when we talk about recruiting, we need to kind of say, okay, it's, we need to go big picture here and figure out the change that's needed to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, it's funny that you say, you know, you talk about the old school meetings with one guy sitting up in, in front and talking. I started uh, my first baseball season. I'm, I, I'm a multi-sport official and I got my start in intramural sports. But when I started doing high school, I dabbled in baseball and I went to the required three association meetings and you know, in my first season, I didn't expect to get any playoff games, but I expected to, you know, at least get some of the competitive JV, but it was the meetings that you sit there and they break apart one rule for about five minutes. And the rest of it is all of the guys who have been there for 10, 15, 20 years complaining, uh, about whatever they want to complain about. And it pushed yeah. me away from baseball. And yeah. I think, you know, you're, you're so right about ref reps. Um, the digital world is, is taking everything by storm. Um, and, and they are doing such a good job. I'm, I'm lucky to know a couple of the instructors uh, and um, the director of officiating education there. And, and I think what they're doing is amazing and I think there needs to be more of it. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. <laughs> agree. And, you know, um, I know some of the people involved also. And so that's, that's something that we offer our scholarship recipients is, uh, mm-hmm. is ref reps. Um, you know, we, we pay for the, we pay for the program and they just have to, they have to go through and, and complete it all. But I, I really do think that, you know, with the states that actually uses their certification as certification to be able to work. I think that should be happening more and more around the country. Um, yeah. It's a different time, you know, it's a different time. And we have to, we have to utilize that more. What I like about ref reps is, and why I got involved with them is that they represent basically all the sports. It's not just football. Um, right. It's, it's all the sports. So I'm able to hand out these programs and say, Hey, complete this. And um, and you'll be you'll be more prepared if you complete this program before the meeting starts, the preseason meeting starts. If you're a new person, you know, going into whatever sports, if you complete this program first, you're going to have so much more knowledge than the people that are sitting in that classroom. You'll have an edge up on them, which, you know, could result in, you know, certainly more assignments. and, And again, I think more compelling interest because you'll feel more knowledgeable, but um, yeah, we've worked that into our battlefields to ball fields program now also. That's awesome. I love that. Um, 
<laughs> talking about collaboration, actually. Yeah, you know, uh, really good question. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of involvement at this point with the uh, NFL or Major League Baseball or the National Hockey League or the NBA. Um, obviously, all the people that we're bringing into officiating, these are people that are starting in on the youth level. Um, hopefully, someday they might raise to that uh, level to where they could work in college football or basketball or any sport. But it's not yet hit that. But the associations that are most important to us are the local associations, the local officiating associations. And, you know, every every person that we give a scholarship to is an opportunity for us um, mm -hmm. because they have to sign up with a local association. And so I ended up, I ended up getting the name of the association, the, the leader, the person that leads the association, his phone number, um, his or her email address. And um, so I have basically a new partnership right there and we reach out. And the one thing that has become important to us, and it's a little bit different, but, um, we, we want to have a presence in their new man meeting, their first new man meeting, new person meeting. Um, we want there to be a question that's asked, and that's what we're trying to do. The question that's asked, are you a veteran? And if anybody in that new person meeting is, then they get the information about battlefields to ball fields. And so you know, while this person was already interested, um, we might be the straw that gets them over the hump that mm -hmm. when they realize you've got an organization that will pay for their uniform, that will give them this extra training, that will give them this extra liability insurance, will cover their dues for three years. We might be that extra step that gets them over the hump and gets them involved um, doing it. And, and that's been that's been very successful for us. Uh, you know, we do that, our partnership with uh, TASO, Texas Association of Sports Officials. Um, they are number one uh, state when it comes to um, scholarship recipients. Um, Texas is, and they got a lot of bases. Um, yeah. they've, got, they've got, and they've got a very strong organization and a partnership with TASO. But you go on to Arbiter Sports now. You go on to Arbiter Sports, there's a thing that says, are you a veteran? So many organizations actually, um, you know, they have their registration through Arbiter Sports. They might get paid by arbiters by Arbiter Pay. And to have that on there that says, are you a veteran? And then, of course, we have the National Federation, High School Federation, that is constantly putting out things, trying to recruit officials and, and um and, uh, you know, we've gotten a lot of uh, interest from that. There's, there's, there's a lot that we can do, and there's, um, there's more groups than we can reach out to. Um, I don't want to describe our organization as a mom-and-pop organi organization be because it's not. Um, I don't have a mom-and-pop any longer that's involved, but it's just kind of me. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you know, I take pride in the fact that nobody in our organization that helps us is taking a dime, not a dime. Um, yeah. We partnered with the Women's Veterans Alliance, um, which is a, a veterans organization 
that uh, works with women's veterans in small businesses and anything else. Um, we're totally committed. We're totally committed to veterans and we're totally committed to actives because I would say this to you and you would agree. If I have somebody that's in their transition years, they're going to be out in two years. If we can get them officiating now wherever they are for two seasons and then when they get out and go back home or go wherever they can have this these two years under their belt um it's going to be beneficial to them so yeah uh, yeah with all these organizations that are really they're really out to do the same thing they're out to recruit more officials i think that's we'll we'll stay heavily involved with them yeah i I definitely agree that everything that we are doing, the, these, these organizations, y'all are doing, Women's Veterans Alliance, RefReps, you know, uh, my podcast, I think the ultimate goal is to get people officiating and to support them from day one to day, whatever they decide. Um, and so it, I think it's important, uh, especially for all the listeners to understand that that is that's what we are here doing. You know, yeah. we're not, we're not ever trying to say, Oh, officials are the greatest thing in the world and you shouldn't yell at them. No, I think it's more than that. It's, it's getting good people and, and especially your organization, getting those veterans who want to continue to give and they're getting out or maybe they're struggling. You know, you talked about the, in the very beginning, you talked about it was the homeless veterans that you saw that you started to help. You know, that's the whole goal of anybody is helping others. And that, that's, I think that's the big takeaway from me for sure is just helping wherever yeah. I can, however I can. And we, and we have to, um, we have to teach it the right way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the stuff with the parents, it's not going to go away. It's not going right. to go, but we need to make people that get involved with this that the minute they sit through five classes in a preseason or they go through ref reps, they have to realize that when they step on a court or a pitch or a diamond, um, that they know more than anybody else in that whole facility, mm -hmm. that they know more. The people that yell the loudest know the least. <laughs> and so right. you have to, you, you have to kind of, that's when you talk about letting it go in one ear and out the other. You have to do that because these people, these people don't know you're more knowledgeable for with you know, than them. Um, and we just have to teach some resistance. We have to resist the temptation to quit because you know, and I know that the benefits of staying involved are unbelievable. The friendships that you make, the fraternity that you become a part of, um, when you officiate, everybody knows when you're an official, everybody knows what each person's frustrations is. They understand that they know it. I mean, and you become a fraternity. My best friends, honestly, once I started officiating, when I was going to college, my best friends from then on out have been officials. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just the camaraderie that you developed, which is somewhat similar to and you can speak to it i can't but being a part of the team you know when you're when you're representing our country uh there's that teamwork there's that brotherhood and um 
trust me, once you get over the first three years of the frustrations, then you could be hooked for 20 years. And, uh, and it becomes something that you truly enjoy doing. And, and that's what we will never get through that. We'll, we'll never get to the parents probably. Um, and we'll never get through to the crowds that chant refs, you suck, but we mm-hmm. can't get through to those that are, have any bit of an interest of getting into officiating and nurture them through that process and build them up, which becomes strong mentoring, but build them up to where they can get through that first couple of years of, uh, of badgering. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mike, I want to thank you again so much for joining me on officiating edge podcast. It was a pleasure speaking with you. What an episode. I want to take this time to really promote battlefields to ball fields. Mike and I talked about it throughout the episode, and I really just kind of want to push it for those of you who are trying to help both veterans and the wonderful world of sports officiating. If you know of anybody who you think could benefit from the scholarships that battlefields to ball fields is able to offer, please reach out to them. Send them to the website, Battlefields to Ballfields. Get them in touch with Mike. It's such a good opportunity for those who want to continue to serve to continue doing so within their own communities. It also really helps the youth sports programs. We have an officiating shortage, as we talked about, and we just need as many people as we can, as many good people as we can officiating. So again, If you know anybody who's interested in battlefields to ball fields, please reach out. Today's episode was brought to you by Unbiased Zebras Referee Training. If you or anybody you know is running a sports program and you need a little bit of help making sure that your training runs smoothly, please reach out. We're willing to help. Thanks again for tuning in to the Officiating Edge podcast, Unleashing Officiating Excellence.